What's up, y'all? You're listening to the Extra Point College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Carnes, joined as always by my co-host, Daniel Hammock. Daniel, we have made it to the Southeastern Conference where, let's be honest, it just means more. And with the SEC taking all the news headlines lately, we have been dying to talk about the SEC. So we're going to start with the East, move our way to the West next week. And unfortunately, uh, you know, Kentucky and Oklahoma, we did pick with the Big 12, but we have our, you know, for now, our seven SEC East teams that we got to talk about. Well, you said Kentucky and Oklahoma instead oh of Texas and Texas Oklahoma. And Oklahoma. So, I mean, I don't know how how you mix those two up, first of all, but I hopefully this blows up because Texas is pissed that we called them Kentucky. But uh, I mean, consistently <laughs> eight and four. So yeah. I mean. Hey, it's if anything, it's a compliment, you know. <laughs> Kentucky, to, to is, Texas, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> um, no, but I mean, you know, we've said this a couple times. Man, we've really ate our veggies with the first part of this, going through the independence and, you know, working our way group through the five. ACC group. You know, group of five ACC and then Big Twelve, Big Ten, Pac twelve. My goodness, now we're here. Time to eat dessert. Like, this is What's great. I, the SEC, man, this is what it's all about. It just means more. And we've got more to talk about. So buckle up. We're going to be here for two hours at least per, per podcast. <laughs> just, hey, let's, because we might risk that, let's not yeah, waste we any don't time. don't want to do that. <laughs> let's dive right in. Uh, as we've done with our other preview podcasts, which, hey, you can actually, if you're on YouTube, you can actually go find our playlist. We have a playlist that has all of our season previews in it. So if you've missed one, you can go on our YouTube page and go and find that playlist. And all of them are right there. So as we've done with those podcasts, we're going to go in our predicted order of finish for the division. And let's start on top. The Georgia Bulldogs. This should come as no surprise uh, Georgia during SEC media days was picked to win the East by a significant margin of the media. Win total set at 10 and a half. Georgia coming off of their first season in three years where they did not win the SEC East and go to Atlanta. And expectations are once again very high for Kirby Smart and the Bulldogs. Daniel, what are your thoughts on Georgia? Yeah, so this really stems from a continuation of last year. Last year we saw Todd Monken come in, take over this offense, and – those who watched the program closely, like both you and I, we, we saw differences, but you, it was tough to just immediately tell a difference if you were looking at box scores or just looking at the score itself because quarterback play was the key. Um, you know, Jamie Newman obviously, you know, opted out before the season last year. And then JT Daniels famously wasn't healthy towards till towards the end. So you were stuck with that combo of, uh, you know, Dwan Mathis and Stetson Bennett. Those last four games is what gives everybody, you know, all that, that motivation for this year thinking, Hey, this team could be something special. What they bring back, it starts at quarterback JT Daniels um, back for his, his senior season, but it's a redshirt junior season. Um, He's looking like he the, towards the end of last year looked great. He's healthy. Um, that offensive line returns four out of five starters uh, from the year before. Uh, excuse me, three out of five starters. Um, but if you go from the bowl game, all five bowl starters are back. 
Um, so that's something to go off of. George Pickens does go down with the injury at wide receiver. He was someone who they definitely expected a lot from this year, but Kyrus Jackson um, and Jermaine Burton are expected to take big steps forward as well as the whole wide receiving core. Um, Todd Munkin really designed those receivers open and really opened up the offense last year. They just needed a quarterback who could deliver the ball. JT appears to be that guy. Um, the running backs, they didn't lose anybody. They have five scholarship backs who are all, you know, capable of really starting anywhere in the nation. Um, I think that they all could be the starter for this team and you'd be just fine. Um, it's tough to break in as a, as a freshman to this group, but as far as newcomers, um, you definitely have a Reed Gilbert, uh, coming in at wide receiver. I'm saying on offense as a whole skill positions, Difficult to come in as a freshman. He's a sophomore. He's transferred in from LSU. We've talked about it a couple times. Um, he's going to play wide receiver, but, you know, he's going to move all over the place. So him coming in, I think, is big. Uh, Darnell Washington back as a, a tight end. He's huge, um, and he's going to be big in the red zone. So you just got talent just coming all over the place, and it's just like I think he's uh, Kirby has gotten his roster where he wants it. And he's finally got that quarterback that can make the whole engine go. And the good news, and we've talked about this a couple of times uh, with other teams like in Oklahoma, where if there is an injury to quarterback, he's also finally gotten to the place where he's got the depth of quarterback where, you know, Carson Beck or a, a Brock Vandergriff, for example, could come in and you could still operate the offense at a very high level, um, as you would expect, but not many, not many other programs can say that because they might not even have a, a scholarship backup, like in the case of Clemson. Uh, defensively, it looks like they're only returned five starters, but uh, if you look at the guys that they have coming back, these are a lot of guys who've played on the two deep, have rotated in, played a ton of plays. Um, I, you know, we'll kind of get to it, but I really think this defensive line is the best in the country. You know, I don't see a weakness on the defensive line. You've just got – you've got talent and depth. And when you've got both of those, it, it gets difficult for, for teams to beat you on a regular basis. So that over the course of the um, – over the course of a whole game, Jordan Davis at nose tackle. They've got Jalen Carter, who's a defensive tackle, comes in in nose tackle and uh, – and uh, nose, nose tackle and defensive tackle. Uh, Travon Walker and Devontae Wyatt, both on those edges. Um, I think that you're going to see them take a step forward uh, as a group. Um, you're potentially looking at two or three guys that could be not only draft picks, but top two round draft picks in the next next uh, NFL draft. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, you know, the defensive transfers that have come in, um, it's been good to, you know, for, for Georgia, who had a mass exodus, they had four players drafted out of the secondary and a fifth that left and was signed to um, as an undrafted free agent. So losing all of those players out of the secondary, you also lost Tyreek Stevenson to transfer. So six players that were really big parts of your secondary last year, you didn't know what you were going to do. Now it looks like the answers have been there with Darion Kendrick, five-star transfer from Clemson coming in, and then 
uh, four-star transfer Tyke Smith at that nickel spot coming from uh, West Virginia where Jamal Adai, um, the defensive backs coach, came from. Um, so I definitely think that this team has a lot going for it. If I have one question, Jacob, it's the offensive line, and it's not about talent, and it's not about experience, which <laughs> seems weird that you're going to say that. It's about who are the five, and will – um, Jamari Sawyer is basically, if you're going to zero in on one guy, where is he playing? Is he playing left tackle? Cause that tells you that their right guard Tate Ratledge is, is done enough to be the starter. Um, if, if he's at guard, if Jamari Sawyer is at guard, then that tells you that one of these young tackles like a Broderick Jones or a, a Marius Mims, who is the top five player, um, is, it ha- has stepped up to the plate and is a five-star offensive tackle. Um, so that's probably my biggest question for Georgia. I think they'll be good. Can they be great on the offensive line? They have the talent to do so. Um, that's, that's really what's going to make or break them being elite. I think. Since 2017, since that season, uh, I feel like the reaction from Georgia fans was, you know, we're going to be right back here next year. And since then you have the 2018 season where, you know, you, you lose that heartbreaker of an SEC championship to Alabama in the same stadium where you lost that natty. Uh, 2019, you get back. You lose to LSU, who went on to win the national championship. And then last year, you don't even win the East. And so Georgia fans are hungry to get back. I think this team's hungry to get back uh, and get their shot again. And we've talked about it before. Whenever you have a shot to win a championship, like give it your best shot because you, you aren't guaranteed to go back. Like this is college football is hard. It is hard to win a championship. That being said, it's hard not to be excited when you look at this Georgia team. Uh, it's hard not to be optimistic when you look at this Georgia team. Uh, if you want parity in college football, Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State do not return their starting quarterback. Like that's a big deal. And then you've got two teams that a lot of people are excited about Oklahoma and Georgia, who have been on, the, you know, if you want to see that next tier, that next tier is Georgia and Oklahoma. And of that top five, those two teams are the ones with the turning quarterbacks. And Kirby Smart showed, you know, you mentioned he made the steps last year to change the offense. Now, because your quarterback opted out three weeks before your first game, it all went out the window. There was no spring practice, which a lot of teams inserting new systems, that no spring practice was a big deal, Georgia being one of those. But you look at yards per play with Georgia's offense pre-JT Daniels and then after JT Daniels, Yards per play without JT Daniels, 5.4 yards per play on offense. With JT Daniels, 8.6 yards per play on offense. So, I mean, that is a huge jump. And that puts Georgia as second best in the country with yards per play under JT Daniels. And this is something Josh Pate mentioned this week, actually, of the late kick. He said, what if JT Daniels was at 75% last year? He was still coming off of that knee injury. Now, not only has he gotten a full spring as a starter, what if he's 100% healthy right now versus if he was 75% last year? So what if we even see a better version of JT Daniels? You mentioned it. The running back, like the backfield, might be the best in the country. Defensive line, I think between them and Clemson, you're seeing the best two defensive lines in the and Alabama, you know, surprise, surprise. Those three teams have really good defensive lines. <laughs> but right. that's going to be an incredible matchup that first game of the season. Um, linebacker core is loaded. You know, I think offensive line could be a question mark for me. And for Georgia, I have two question marks. You mentioned it. Who are the five on offensive line? 
and how well do they play together and how quickly can you get that cohesion uh, and figure out your first unit. Secondly, the secondary. You do lose a lot of guys in the secondary. Uh, you do bring in transfers that on paper should plug those holes immediately. Um, but if I'm Georgia and my question mark is secondary and Kirby Smart's your coach, that's a really good spot to be in because in previous years, the question's been quarterback. And now that that's answered and Kirby Smart's your head coach and secondary is your question mark, it's hard not to be optimistic about Georgia. The win total is a 10 and a half. Only one time in the last four seasons has Georgia lost more than one regular season game. It was last year when Bama was on the schedule <laughs> and Florida cycled up. Um, we we're buying Georgia, man. And to me, this is a question of 11 and one or 12 and no for Georgia. Um, and it's, did they win the Clemson game? And we've already picked on here that we, we think they're going to win the Clemson game. And if they win that Clemson game for us, it's pretty, it's pretty easy to get to 12 and no. Now I think losable games on the schedule, Missouri, Missouri is at home. We're going to talk about Missouri in a second. I'm, I'm very high on Missouri. Missouri's a trap game. Kentucky could be a trap game, but we've only seen Georgia lose one game where they shouldn't lose, where they were a heavy favorite and lost. That was 2019 against South Carolina. The odds of that happening are not high, and I'm not going to try to, you know, close my eyes and yeah. shoot the dart and find the random loss when it's happened one time in Kirby Smart's tenure where they were a heavy favorite and lost. Other games he's lost, they've been the underdog. We tried to pick it. We tried to – we were going through, and part of our process, like, you know, hey, is there a loss? Do we think that they're a 12-0 team? Do we think they're 11-1 team, 10-2, and whatever it is? And we both got to that Missouri game. We said, hey, this is probably one of their more losable games because of it being maybe more of a trap rather than they're going to be keyed in for Florida. They're going to be keyed in for Auburn. They're going to be keyed in for these other big matchups. So um, we thought, hey, someone's got to be lying in the weeds. But when we went back and looked at that Missouri game, I actually watched it, and it was something where Georgia just, you know, you mentioned it, just dominated, you know. And so it's tough to go from there to hey we think that they can they can win anyone can win but is it likely or you know i it just we'd be really throwing darts like you said at a board for us to pick that game for georgia for me it's less of a question of comparing them to the sec east and more of a question of comparing them to the other top five teams in the country because there is a tier one and that tier one is alabama clemson ohio state oklahoma and georgia that's the tier one in college football this year uh I guarantee you one of those five teams will win the national championship. It's going to happen. <laughs> so uh, if I'm comparing Georgia to those teams, we've talked about it. What do we think it takes to win the national championship? Starting quarterback. Georgia has that answered. Elite wide receiver play. Georgia showed last season. Now, I, we know they'll lose George Pickens, and you cannot replace him. Like, Arik Gilbert's a, an awesome ad. You can't replace a George Pickens. But they've recruited to all wide receiver. They're, they're deep wide receiver. Uh, defensive line. Georgia's going to have one of the best, if not the best defensive line in the country. And then overall, like roster depth, Georgia's roster is probably second to Alabama in the entire country. And so Georgia's checking all these boxes. And here we go again with asking Georgia, could this be the year? And a lot of media are asking that question. You know, there, there's, I mean, a good chunk of media picked Georgia to win, to win the SEC this year. We're not picking that just yet, but we are picking them to win the SEC East and finish the regular season undefeated. It's something Kirby Smart has not yet done in his tenure at Georgia. So we are picking over. 
that 10 and a half win total. And to me, it's a slam dunk because even if they lose to Clemson, I think they win out. And so I think it's a slam dunk on the over. Go over 10 and a half there for Georgia. And yeah, we're expecting a good season for the Bulldogs. Excited to talk more about them when we make our national picks, knowing that we have a, you know, an undefeated regular season for the Dogs. Let's move on to the defending SEC East champions, the Florida Gators. Now, Florida gets over the hump. They beat Georgia. They really give Alabama arguably their best game. They lose by six. They close the gap late in that game. Dan Mullen did his quarterback magic with Kyle Trask. He had a Heisman finalist. But I think a lot of the conversation around Florida this offseason is even in a season where you beat Georgia, you get to Atlanta, you win the SEC East, the thing that's overhanging you know, over Florida right now is the fact that they still finished eight and four. And so coming off of your best season and it being eight and four, what's the next step for Dan Mullen? Do they take a step back this year? How big is that step back? Could they take a step back and have a better record than last year? Yeah, this is going to be one where, you know, I think that the national media has has taken a major step back on them. And I think in such a way that it's like the popular thing to do is to either completely disregard Florida or even trash Florida. Um, and I just think that that may be a little bit premature. You got to realize that this team is still going to be a good team. When you're going relative to their competition, though, they do get Alabama on the schedule this year. LSU is going to be tough like it always is. It was last year. Um, and then obviously Georgia, you know, potentially being the team that's going to be better, that, you know, that we're predicting in the East. It's tough to be excited about Florida if you're potentially looking at, you know, an eight and three, eight and four, nine and three season, something like that. That would look like an ultimate step back for the program. Um, you do lose all that firepower, especially Kyle Pitts, who is just, you know, amazing. And then unreal. Um, oh my gosh, what's the uh, receiver that was drafted in the first round? Kadarius Tony. Kadarius Tony. Um, someone who who we really didn't value a whole lot until we saw the he season popped. play out. And he just, yeah, he popped. It was just an amazing season. Um, he's, he's just explosive. And that's really what college football is all about now is explosive. So can these receivers that are coming back for them, can they be explosive? So they're returning five starters on offense. Everybody's going to talk about Emory Jones. So Emory Jones was a highly recruited player. He was the fourth or fifth rated quarterback in the year that Trevor he Lawrence. The, he was the number two dual threat. Number two dual threat. Um, and this is the year that Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and JT Daniels, all of them came out. So that was important for them. He's, he's a good quarterback, I think. And in those moments that he's seen time, more specifically the Auburn game of two years 2019. ago, mm-hmm. yeah, 2019, he came in and it looked like Dan Mullen didn't flinch as far as play calling. You're expecting it to be more run heavy. And he just comes in and he's just firing the ball uh, over the middle of the field and just really finding targets. I think that there is a high ceiling for Emory Jones. I'm concerned that he might not reach that. And I think that's a lot of people's concern in the media and when, why they're picking him to maybe not reach his ceiling and for the team to be somewhat average. If Emory Jones is, is who he, uh, you know, he was recruited as and is this elite prospect uh, elite, you know, quarterback, then, you know, Florida is looking a lot better. He really covers up a lot of their problems 
that they have across the rest of the, the field. So um, running back, they bring in uh, Damian Pierce back, and then they're bringing in transfer uh, Demarcus Bowman, who famously was you know expected to go to Florida, ended up going to Clemson, never played a game of Clemson, transfers back to Florida. He was a five-star. I think that that backfield tandem of those two, Damian Pierce is a good SEC back. Um, he gets the extra yardage when it's needed. Um, he doesn't always have the best blocking. The offensive line in some instances has been an issue for Florida. They've won despite the offensive line not being that great. And he has really, you know, he's second effort guy. He really gets the first down. So Damian Pierce have been impressed with Jacob Copeland coming back at wide receiver. I think he's, uh, he's a, a good, good receiver. We're going to have to see how the rest of the receiving core takes shape. Um, when you lose a lot at receiver, it's difficult to um, just kind of replenish that right away. Um, defensively, honestly, a lot of people are citing that they, you know, the ones who are believing in Florida this year are citing, hey, they might take a step back on offense, but they're going to take a step forward on defense. Um, that can be true. Uh, I do think that there's some the bright spots. I think Brenton Cox um, – through his struggles, I still think that he's an elite prospect and player and he could put it all together this year and be an elite edge rusher. Um, Gravon Dexter kind of underperformed last year in his freshman year this year as a sophomore, he's a former five-star. He's a defensive tackle. I think that if he asserts himself on the interior of that defensive line, that's when Florida has been at their best when they have a good D line. And I think that that would really elevate their play. Um, in the secondary, they're bringing in Elijah Blades as a transfer from Texas A&M, um, as well as uh, Jadarius Perkins from, from Mizzou. So I think that those guys are going to be big gets. Um, when you're talking about replacing some of the secondary that's left, Kyrie Lam is going to be one of the nation's elite at corner. Um, and then Trey Dean has self-proclaimed himself the best safety in the country. Um, he is a good safety I don't know about the best, but, you know, Florida has been one of these schools, one of the 10 schools that claimed DBU. Um, so we'll see if this is something where they can reload that rather than, you know, have to rebuild. So um, I, I don't I feel like I'm higher on Florida than everybody is relatively. Um, I'm not saying they're going eight and four or seven and five are not going to be a top 25 team. I think they're a top 15 team. I think they're going to have a good season, um, but it's, it sounds so cliche. They're going to go as far as their quarterback takes them. And, you know, if Emory Jones has a great year, I expect Florida to be in the 10 win range. Yeah. It's similar to Georgia with, if I'm going to have a question and it's the secondary that I'm pleased with Kirby Smart as my coach, uh, if I'm Florida, I think a quarterback being the question mark that has a bunch of tools is to my advantage <laughs> with, with Dan Mullen as the coach. And so you mentioned Emory Jones, Florida will go as far as Emory Jones takes him. And he has all the tools to be an amazing quarterback. No one's ever doubted his, his legs, like, you know, skills with his legs, uh, his running ability. He has a cannon for an arm. Uh, my question is how has he improved his accuracy? But I mean, he's one of these players who, you know, despite being a five-star recruit, has come in and kind of waited his turn. And so similar to Kyle Trask, he could be a quarterback that is just like learned under Mullen and like learned the system and comes out and pops. He also could, 
like be still rough around the edges and like be raw, but that's, you know, that's yet to be seen. We'll see with the full season, what uh, Emory Jones looks like. There's going to be a day of reckoning. They're going to have those first two games and then three (laughs) Alabama's coming to Gainesville now. Now, Yeah. Speaking of the Alabama game, I, I think there is a very real chance Florida pulls an upset that game, like a very real chance. We're not picking it, <laughs> but uh, it's week three and Alabama has a new quarterback. And let's be honest, pretty much an entire new offense. Which we're going to talk about next week. But uh, if Alabama is going to be vulnerable, two of their first three games were Miami and Florida, and they got to go to Gainesville. And we know that this year is going to be, I mean, a banner year for college football. That crowd in Gainesville is going to be like second to none in the country when Alabama comes to town. And so that's no joke for Bryce Young, who has yet to play in full stadiums despite being a sophomore. He hasn't His had first that first hostile crowd. Yeah, exactly. Because so, the game against Miami is going to be the Chick-fil-A kickoff. There's going to be yep. 80% Alabama fans there probably. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be tough. The offense, though, they are transitioning from – now, Mullen has done a good job of catering to his players, which I think is a sign of a really good coach, is like cater the offense to your players. Don't try to make them fit your system. Uh, but they are transitioning from an offense where they had an extremely accurate quarterback who spread the ball over the field, little dink and dunk here, took shots here. I mean, obviously he was a Heisman Trophy finalist for a reason, and uh, the biggest reason for me is his accuracy. Not really great in his legs. I feel like Emory Jones is the polar opposite quarterback <laughs> with like extreme athleticism, cannon, raw talent. Uh, the accuracy is what we haven't seen from him. The offensive line has to show improvement for Florida to be successful this year. Now, that being said, Embry Jones can make stuff happen with his legs if the play breaks down, which could work to their advantage. Wide receiver, you gotta, you know, you gotta make up for a lot of returning production that's lost there. Actually, Florida ranks 108th in the country in returning production. So the SEC East as a whole is probably the division with the least amount of returning production in the entire country. For Florida, here's what we didn't talk about with Georgia. Georgia has recruited on a level that only Alabama and Ohio State has recruited at. For Florida, you haven't recruited at that level. And, excuse me, so they're not at a level where I can just, excuse me again, I can assume they can plug and play. Um, Backfield to be really, really good defensively. Grantham kind of made some Florida fans mad last season. I mean, heck, he made Dan Mullen mad on the sideline last year. Uh you know, they said Grantham's our guy. I think the defensive line can take a step forward. Linebackers should be really good. Uh, one of the best linebacker units in the SEC. Secondary's got to return some, you know, got to replace some players, but Kier alum should be really good for Florida. Here's the thing with Florida for me. Mullen has raised the floor for Florida. Like eight and four is the floor. The worst of the worst season. And uh, last year's deceiving. I know they finished eight and four, but with the, you know, the bowl game and stuff like that, that's a 10 and two year where they probably would have been like 10 and three at the end of the season um, in a regular season. Um, but he has raised the floor. For me, he has yet to raise the ceiling because of the lack of talent. He's, you know, he hasn't brought in and they still, they, they lose in his three seasons. They lose a game. They shouldn't like every single season. And so we picked one of those this year, but it's, you know, it's not like a, you know, you go drop one to Vandy. Like, they lost to AM last year on the road. He was a good team, but Florida was better than AM. Um, two years ago, they lost to LSU in Georgia, which 
you know, they were they were both better than Florida that year. But then in his first year in 2018, they lose to Missouri and Kentucky. And so for me, Florida, this is going to be a rebuilding year. And that being said, their win totals at nine. We're picking them to go nine and three uh, with a win against LSU, which we think is going to be really, really good. But losses against Alabama, Georgia, and another team we're going to talk about. So we're going to save that one, another SEC East team. So nine and three for Florida. Again, I think we are higher than the general – of higher opinion than the general public on Florida. Um, but still, you know, pushing that win total at nine and three. Well, let's move on to the Kentucky Wildcats. And Kentucky's win total set at seven. I mean, heck, Mark Stoops gets an automatic year-long, you know, year extension every time he goes seven to five. So they're predicting an extension for Mark Stoops at Kentucky. <laughs> He's got to have the best job in the country. I mean, honestly. Oh, yeah. it, anyway, uh, Kentucky – Win total is at seven. This is a team that, in my opinion, has supplanted itself as the third best program in the SEC East. Now, what are your thoughts on Kentucky? Yeah, so um, bringing in Liam Cohen, this is going to be my biggest point, is offense is going to just be different. We've been used to this Eddie Grand, you know, really I think what Mark Stoops has enjoyed running which is a high floor kind of offense because you're running the ball, you're playing defense, you're playing complimentary ball, and you know you can recruit players in all parts of the country, whether that's the Midwest or the Southeast, to play this brand of ball where you're running the ball, playing kind of keep away, and then you play good defense and you win games. Now they're gonna they're gonna try to raise the ceiling, so we'll see what they can do. Uh, bringing in Liam Cohen, kind of that more spread concepts, more um, multiple, not quite air raid, but, um, you know, they're bringing in a – so that that's kind of – it's different because they're bringing in – you know, they've got five returning starters on offense, four on defense. Um, but Will Levi's coming in from uh, – it's Penn State, right? He's transferring in from, from Penn State. Um, yeah, so from he, Penn State. He, he appears to be the new quarterback – um, they still have um, just a bunch of talent there um, all, all over the place as far as developed talent. But, I mean, Wandale Robinson transferring in from Nebraska at wide receiver, that was surprising to me um, when it was first announced because I'm thinking, was he going to go play like Wildcat quarterback for them? Like, you know, it <laughs> wouldn't be the first time. Yeah, exactly. So that was my first thought was this he needs to get something in writing that they're going to throw the ball, you know, cause this, I, I was concerned, but I mean, he's a playmaker in Nebraska. Sorry to lose him. Um, so him coming in, Trevon Morgan from Michigan state transferring in, those are both a couple of, you know, high profile, you know, receivers coming in to go along with Willie Vise, but Chris Rodriguez, who hasn't really started a game, um, I don't think he's ever started a game. And then Cavassier smoke the two running backs. They just, they're a good tandem that I feel like not many people are going to talk about because they're not necessarily the sexy pick, but they're going to ground and pound. They're going to be able to get it done. And if they spread this out, this is going to be a big component. Think about, you know, teams like, I don't know. Uh, I mean, yes, Alabama, but you know, when Oklahoma was doing it, they, they have a great running game to go along with their pass when they, ha when they have everybody spread out. That's what I'm kind of equating this to with Kentucky. I think they're going to be able to do this. Um, 
They also pull in Dare Rosenthal, a former four-star, highly rated offensive tackle, uh, the starting left tackle for LSU this past season um, and projected starter this season. He's coming into an already great, you know, uh, as far as pedigree on the offensive line. Um, they're returning three starters. This will be um, a new starter coming in, but um, excited to see where they go offensively. Honestly, it's just going to be it's going to be one of those storylines we watch all year long um, because Kentucky has always kind of been who we thought they were under Stoops. They're going to be well coached. They're going to be you know good at fundamentals. They're going to tackle well. They're going to run the ball, and so now they're going to try to do something different. Um, is it going to cost them on defense because they're going to play different offensively? Are they going to be playing shorter fields? Are they going to be more explosive like their goal is? You know, I have a lot of questions like that, but I trust Mark Stoops at this point. I feel like he's earned that as a head coach. Um, so if he's making this move to kind of open things up, obviously it's more fun for the fans. It's more fun for uh, those of us covering the sport. Uh, so excited to watch it. They're definitely going to be someone who I tune into probably more regularly than I may have before. If I saw Kentucky play in, I don't know, Missouri, I probably would have been like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'll catch, I'll catch the box score. Now I'm probably going to be watching that game because I want to make sure that I see, um, you know, kind of the concepts and what, what their attack is. We talked about Dan Mullen raising the floor at, at Florida. Mark Stoops has definitely raised the floor at Kentucky. That's what I, you know, I meant it when I said Kentucky is the third best program in the SEC East as far as just like they're consistent. They're going to be seven and five to eight and four every single season. Then they'll cycle up, have that, you know, nine and three with the bowl win, 10 and three season. Uh, they had two seasons ago and, you know, they were in, they were in the playing game for the SEC East. They had Georgia in Lexington. Uh, they won that game. They would have won the East. So great program. You mentioned it, question mark at quarterback. Who starts? That's the first thing. So two guys with similar skill sets between Joey Gatewood and Will Levis. Um, I think, you know, from what I've read, Levis probably has the edge. Uh, he definitely transferred in order to start. But you've got some depth at quarterback at least. Like you have two comparable guys at quarterback. Running back should be great. Offensive line should be great. For Kentucky, they lost a ton on defense. Like they lost a ton on defense with – like, their best two players at defensive line, drafted. Like, best two linebackers, drafted. <laughs> it's, a, it's a theme here. Best two players in the secondary, uh, either drafted or, you know, graduated from Kentucky. So, a lot to replace on defense. But as we've talked about, like, they've, they've raised the floor. I just expect consistency from Kentucky. And so, given their schedule, the first half's pretty brutal. I mean, they have a four-game stretch, really a six-game stretch. They go Missouri. Uh, which they get at home, Chattanooga, and then they go at South Carolina, which will be no joke early in the season, especially when, you know, 100% capacity crowd at Williams-Brice. That'll be a tough game. Uh, then you get Florida and LSU at home back-to-back. Then you go to Athens to play Georgia. Like, that's no joke to start the season. But then after the bye week, you go at Mississippi State, Tennessee, at Vandy, New Mexico State, at Louisville. So manageable schedule in the back half. I think you have to get out of that first half of the season above 500. Uh, those first seven games, you got to come out four and three, and which is what we're picking. <laughs> and we're picking Kentucky to go eight and four. So one win above that, you know, one total of seven, four and four in conference, which would put them third in the SEC East. Let's move on to a comparable team for Kentucky this year. 
and really a team that we had a, we had a hard time splitting hairs uh, between Kentucky and the next team, which is Missouri. But Daniel, go ahead and let us know what to do on social. Yeah, so this is a great opportunity to step in and say, hey, if you're not following us on social media, that's the best way to not only interact with the show, but just get the content that we create. Um, so follow us on both um, Instagram and Facebook at the Extra Point Pod. Um, you'll see graphics there that illustrate, you know, what we think of, you know, each each uh, division that we're going through right now. Um everything that kind of goes with the show interact with us there. We love that. Um, but really those places is where you can find the show itself on the other platforms. Obviously, if you listen on podcasts, we love that. We really appreciate that. Um, we are trying to grow the YouTube. So if you can go on there, subscribe, uh, follow the link in our link tree to YouTube, subscribe, you know, um, rate us on, on Apple podcasts, everything like that. Like Jacob said, we're trying to make this more user-friendly. So if you like listening to all these previews, putting them all together, they're all going to be on uh, a playlist so that you can get to it there. Comment, tell us what you like, what you don't like. Uh, If there's someone we missed or we mispronounced someone's name, not that you can really type it out really well, uh, do that, you know, come, come at us there, show us what, what you got. Um, but we're getting close to the season and we definitely want interaction during the season. That's what's going to make this whole thing fun. So uh, follow us there for that. We would love to get to 100 subscribers on YouTube. So please get us to 100. We're sitting at 26 right now. So we'll have a pizza on- party. <laughs> we'll have a pizza party. We'll eat we'll, the we'll- pizza, but you know we'll video it. And I'm coming up with this on the spot. We'll do something. We'll do some sort of giveaway. Uh, whenever we get to 100 subscribers on YouTube. And so that would really help help us out to get to that number 100. Uh, actually, the reason I want to do that is so that we can say, you can go to youtube.com slash the extra point, but we need 100 subscribers to do that. So uh, if you're watching on YouTube, there. hit that subscribe button, go on someone else's phone, go on their account, subscribe on their behalf. They don't have to know. Uh, and then maybe they'll listen to it and they'll get the same information you are. They'll be blessed. All right. They'll be blessed. Let's talk about the Missouri Tigers. So year one of Eli Drinkwitz went a lot better than I thought it was going to. And it's caused my opinion of Missouri to be a lot higher uh, than I thought it would going into year two of Eli Drinkwitz. So their one total like Kentucky is set at seven and they actually have the best returning production in the SEC East at 56 in the country. So again, uh, not great for the East as a whole, but Missouri returns the most. So, Daniel, what are your thoughts on Missouri? Yeah, Missouri. So, definitely want to see if they can take a step forward as an explosive offense, being more balanced. Connor Basilek, as he came in last year at quarterback, um, it definitely seemed like they took a step forward. Um, definitely looked like more of what Eli Drinkwitz wanted to do. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz quickly becoming a fan favorite in the SEC just by his horns down comments um, at SEC media days, things like that. He seems like a, someone who, um, you know, you, you want, you'd like to get, you know, a beer with and get along with. He's a, he's one of those guys. So um, definitely someone worth pulling for if you don't have a dog in the fight. Um, interested to see how this team takes the next step because offensively they turn seven offensive starters, defensively it's six. Uh, starters are back um, running back Tyler Beatty he played a lot last year but he was kind of used not as necessarily as a starter Larry Roundtree has been there forever he's gone 
Um, he had 900 yards last year. So trying to replace that production in the backfield will be interesting. Um, really, I'm excited about Missouri defensively. Um, they're bringing in some guys that, you know, uh, as far as transfers go, Allie Green from Tulsa, but his teammate, a Caleb Evans, who is highly recruited um, as a transfer. Uh, these guys played on a great defense last year in Tulsa. Coming over to Missouri, getting a taste of SEC ball, I think is exactly what they need to whet their appetites for the next level if they want to do that. Um, both of these guys are prospects. Allie Green, six foot three, two hundred five. A Caleb Evans, six two, one eighty eight. So you got some SEC corners right here. So the fact that he's getting them both from the same backfield in Tulsa, I think is huge. Um, I think that's going to go a long way in sustaining them um, in this league now that this is a, a big time passing league now. So you've got to be able to defend. That's one thing to do. Um, and then how often do you hear this? A wide receiver from Ohio state transferring in Mookie Cooper, wide receiver, former four star uh, transferring in um, to Missouri um, five, eight and a half, 193 pounds. So a bit on the slider side, but, you know, I think Drinkowitz with his offensive mind is going to find a way to use him. Um, he's definitely someone I'm looking for uh, to have a big season this year. Um, they return um, their top two uh, receivers, their top two pass catchers from last year. Um, that's Kiki Chisholm and Jalen Knox. So expect both of them to continue that, have a good season this year. Um, they're just going to have to improve the production as far as, whether that's um, explosion downfield or just getting in the end zone. Um, I think that's going to be where you see the biggest leap for this team. If they could finish drives, get in the end zone um, and really put pressure on other teams. Cause I think that they, they're, they're one of these fan, there's, they're one of these media darlings. Like they're a favorite of the middle group to be a dark horse. Um, so I think that they can, they have a ceiling of, beating some teams they're not supposed to like they could beat Georgia this year we don't necessarily think it's likely they could beat Florida they could be anyone on their schedule I think um, and so that's that's got to be exciting if you're a Missouri Tiger Missouri schedule wise they draw Texas A&M and Arkansas out of the west so I'll say this about Missouri you said they could beat someone they shouldn't I think they will win at least one of Texas A&M Georgia and Florida I think they win at least one of those three games. And so That's they're fair. going to be somebody they shouldn't. Basilek, you know, depending on how you feel about Emory Jones, I'll say, you know, returning quarterbacks in the SEC East, he's the second best. Like, and he could be the second best in the SEC East this year, depending on how Emory Jones performs. Uh, Drinkwitz has brought that explosive offense to Missouri. Missouri's defensive line, I think, will be one of the best in the SEC this year. So between Isaiah McGuire, Kobe Whiteside, and then, you know, Trey John Jeffcoat, that defensive line's going to be nasty. Like, you know, and Missouri's been known to have some good defensive lines. So that should be on cue for Missouri this year. But a coordinator change on defense and a scheme change could cause some growing pains on defense as well. Um, but Missouri, you know, somewhere to Kentucky, I think they're capable of losing a game that they shouldn't. And I think that they're capable of beating – like I said, Texas A&M, Georgia, or Florida this year. So with that, their win total is at seven. We are picking Florida to go eight and four, and we did pick one of those upsets. We picked them over Florida, 
as of now. But again, I think it'll be one of those three games between Texas A&M, Georgia, and Florida. Now, this is for you, Cartwright. Here we go. The South Carolina Gamecocks. Now, he, you know, our friend Cartwright tried to, you know, he sent us a, what did he call it? His like dissection of South Carolina, just convincing. I was just going to read it for everybody. Um, <laughs> You're honestly, pulling it up. <laughs> yeah, no. uh, of why they were going to, you know, why he sees at least eight wins um, on South eight, Carolina's schedule. Eight to quote, wins. To quote Barton Simmons, I can't fathom eight wins. Uh, it's not, not on there. Y'all, that's Cartwright with a K, all right? He he just knows what – he knows about South Carolina. It's his team. But So, South Carolina, though, and, and here's the thing. Their win total is set at three and a half. So, the thing is, Vegas doesn't like to be wrong. They're not in the they business be of being wrong. pissed if Cartwright is correct. <laughs> that's right. They would be. Uh, we – you know, you and I have picked the games. We'll, we'll, we'll share the record here in a second. He has almost convinced me to up this by a game and flip one game we picked, but we know what happens anytime I change a pick, Daniel. It never goes well for me. So I can't change a pick. What are your thoughts on South Carolina? So I got excited as I read it because there was some things that I definitely had already considered. Uh, Luke Doty is a talented quarterback that was already coming in. And something that I didn't know was apparently he was the fastest player on their team last year for a certain amount of time. Um, And he had trained most of the year at wide receiver has moved back over to quarterback. So that's exciting. Um, He's definitely going to need to, you know, kind of do it all um, in some senses. Um, You know, you definitely want a good quarterback. It looks like they, they probably have that Um, in Luke Doty. Apparently he's been a great leader so far, according to Shane Beamer. Um, Man, Kevin Harris really burst on the scene last year at running back um, in a big way. I've really impressed with him. Um, I was just thinking kind of this like three, four yards in a cloud of dust runner, which that's his floor. Like he's just such a strong runner, low behind his pads, moves guys out of the way. Um, I wanted to see Marshawn Lloyd last year, and I thought Marshawn Lloyd was going to be the starter last year. Kevin Harris really surprised. Now you get Marshawn Lloyd back. And this is the point that Cartwright made to us that I was really excited about. Now you're going to have a one-two punch of two really talented SEC backs, two guys that both have NFL aspirations in the future. Uh, I think that that's going to go a long way in helping this offense. Now, offensively, offensive line we think is going to be fine as far as being able to run the ball. Can they pass block, and will there be good enough wide receivers out there for Luke Doty to find? We think the tight ends are strong, um, and so I think that, you know, we go Nick Muse, and I think they've got a few guys that can play at that tight end position. I'm worried about out wide. I don't know if they're going to have enough dudes to uh, to make it work. The top two – because Shai Smith's gone, top two returning receivers – are Nick Muse at tight end and Kevin Harris at running back. So that's a concern. You can't throw only to the tight ends and the, and the backs. Um, they, they can definitely supplement what you do, but you're going to have to find an answer out wide. So offensively, that's kind of the snapshot, a little bit one-dimensional um, or a little bit uh, short to intermediate passing, worried about the downfield passing on offense. Defensively, um, you know, this is where they have a decent amount of returning talent on the on the defensive line. Um, I, I really want to see if Jordan Birch can take a step forward. Um, 
he was a huge, huge recruit for them last year. This year coming in, um, can he take a step forward, kind of crack that starting lineup, be the guy? Um, Kingsley and Agbar, um, six sacks last year, um, coming off the edge. So he's a senior. If him and Jordan Birch can kind of get something going together, um, I'd be really impressed um, with that. Um, overall, though, I mean, it just is what it is. We don't – we both like Shane Beamer, and we think that he's the right guy for the job and that he'll eventually have this team where it needs to be. There's just got to be losses on the schedule um, because we're picking these other teams to be better. So it's just more likely that these teams ahead of them beat them. Um, but we think they're kind of the best of the rest, you know. So they're not quite in the cellar, but, you know, we're, we're expecting them to uh, kind of tread water for a little bit. You, you said the positive stuff. Let me let me come back with some uh, <laughs> with some with some humble pie for South Carolina, uh, and this is exactly what I texted Cartwright whenever he asked me why I'm lower on them than he is. <laughs> uh, number one, completely new coaching staff from top to bottom. Every new coach is <laughs> like every coach is new in the building, including a head coach who has never been a head coach before, much less been even a coordinator before. Uh, brand new to head coaching experience. There will be a learning curve for Shane Beamer being a head coach. Completely new offensive scheme on offense. Completely new defensive scheme on defense. Returning production ranks 124th out of 127 teams from a team that wasn't even that good. So that could be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on how you look at it. Like, you know, we weren't that good and we don't return a lot of guys. So, you know, clean slate. We got the bad or, players out of here. We're gonna, right, we're just going right. to play the good ones now. <laughs> now we got the good oh. ones to play. <laughs> uh, their schedule, depending on how you look at, you know, how you look at the top 10, for sure three of the top 10 teams in the country. In my opinion, they play three of the top six teams in the country. And two of those games are on the road. And the other one's Clemson. <laughs> so uh, that doesn't, you know, do great for the schedule. On their schedule, I see three for sure wins. I see four or five for sure losses. And then those toss-ups, I expect them to go 500. So that lands me at five and seven for South Carolina. So I think a lot to be optimistic. That's respectable. I like that. For that schedule, that's, that's that is great. very respectful for that schedule. Um, especially when you get Auburn and AM out of the West. And AM's your every year game. And Auburn, we'll see how they are. That could go either way. That was still a toss-up to me. Um but yeah, one total of three and a half. We're going a game and a half clear of that one total. So that to me is very respectable. And I would feel pretty confident going over that one total. I don't think they're not going three and nine. Like, so I that would be one that I, I might hammer that over three and a half for South Carolina. But there's the off, you know, there's the Shane Beamer in the state. You know, he's never been a head coach before. So we will see. All right. Sixth in the division of seven teams. The Vanderbilt Commodores. <laughs> so uh, now we get to the bottom of the SEC East, and Vanderbilt win total set at three. What are your thoughts on the Commodores? So all the Tennessee fans' ears just perked up, like, what the heck? Vandy is ahead of us. But, yeah, we did it. Um, Barton Simmons, I mean – Friend of the remaking show. This ro- <laughs> friend of the show. Remaking this roster. What do they really, do? This is it? VU? Uh, I don't know. I guess. They do something like that. Um, <laughs> you just got to be careful. So, But, uh, you know, they're returning eight players on offense, eight starters on offense, six starters on defense. 
Um, Ken Seals at quarterback, um, he played well for kind of what they asked him to do last year. Um, I mean, it was what it was. Vandy has been the punching bag of the SEC for a while. Um, I think that they have, you know, some upside getting some guys back, uh, but they bring it in. Ramon Davis, a running back from Temple, it appears that he's probably going to be the starter at running back. Uh, Junior Uzebu, Uzebu um, offensive tackle, he's coming in from West Virginia. Um, and then they're getting a Wilson Long, a quarterback from TCU, just a probably a, a you know experienced backup um, is is all he's really coming in to do. But bringing in those guys, um, they actually do bring in a four-star this year in recruiting, um, alert the media. But Marcus Bradley, defensive lineman um, from Maryland, he's coming in. Um, I expect big things from him because um, he's going to have to play early, uh, most likely. He's going to get rotated in. Um, he might be one of these guys. Marcus Bradley might be one of these guys in two or three years. We're talking about, hey, did you see that defensive lineman come out of Andy? They don't usually get this caliber of player. So getting a guy like this in, um, you know, expecting to see um, some good things. Uh, you know, the schedule lines up for them to lose a lot of games. Um, but they're going to win a few that maybe aren't expected. And so that's why we have them ahead of Tennessee in this spot um, right here, you know, securely at number six in this division. Yeah, Vandy. Yeah, it's going to be a rough year for Vandy. It's year one of a completely new coaching staff. They went 0-9 last year, but we believe in this staff. So I think Clark Lee and his staff will raise the floor. I just have a lot of belief in Clark Lee and like what he set up there. Uh, bringing in someone like Barton Simmons, because if you're Vanderbilt, what you're going to have to do is find like the diamonds in the rough as far as talent goes. Find the three stars that have been ignored by your Georgias, your Floridas, um, your you know, your, your other top schools, or even that slip through the cracks with Kentucky, Missouri. Like, find those guys and scout them and be like, these are our guys. Like, the industry is lower on them, but we we like our grade, and then develop that talent. And they bring in you know Barton Simmons from Twenty Four Seven Sports, who is their national director of recruiting. Uh, to do that as their general manager, which I haven't really heard in college football, but yeah, really cool idea. And like, you know, Clark Lee and, and uh, Barton Simmons played high school football together, both from Nashville. So I have a lot of belief in what they're trying to do. Uh, that being said, this schedule is miserable <laughs> for Vanderbilt. Uh, they get both Mississippi schools out of the West. Vandy doesn't uh, get a Vandy on their schedule every year. So they don't get it's a Vandy. always rough. All right. And out of conference, they play Stanford. So, hey, battle of the nerds, battle of the smart schools. Yeah. Uh, that game is at home, but, we, you know, we, we think Stanford's going to be pretty decent this year. So we are picking Vandy to go 4-8, and eight, but getting one conference win, which leads us to Tennessee. <laughs> so uh, the Tennessee Volunteers coming off of a season in which they fired their head coach with cause – they went three and seven, uh, and then they had the most single transfers out of a school so far in one offseason in the transfer portal era. So, I mean, do I need to say much more about why I'm low on Tennessee? I'll let you go, and I have a couple more points, but this roster just got like decimated 
Like, they got a lot of transfers back in, but, I mean, cohesion there, I mean, they had, like, 30 players transfer out, and all of their best players are gone. So it's going to be a little bit of a, bit of a rebuild for Tennessee. And when are the NCAA violation stuff going to come? Like, we don't know. Yeah, so I feel like we've talked about Tennessee a lot this offseason because we've talked about Tennessee transfers to other schools, um, like Eric Gray, who we expect to have a great season with Oklahoma. He's actually the number one transfer listed by The Athletic. Um, you've got um, Ty Chandler transferring to, to North Carolina. So some high-profile guys you've got. You know, Oklahoma had three of the guys coming in. Uh, with Wanya Morris at left tackle and and uh, Key Lawrence um, at defensive back, it's been kind of a head scratcher, Jacob. Because okay, um, what if I told you that their starting left and right tackles are both five stars and they're both there? Okay, that's true, and I'm still very concerned about the offensive line. So, Cade Mays probably going to be their left tackle this year. Uh, former five star, originally recruited to Georgia. Darnell Wright has been at Tennessee the whole time, but he's a five-star. He's at right tackle. Cooper Mays, Cade Mays' little brother, is going to probably start at center this year. He's a highly rated four-star. So you've got some talent there still um, as far as on the offensive line, but they're just thin as paper um, as far as depth goes. Like you said, with those numbers going out of the program – it's already tough to bring talent in when you've got it just escaping out the back door. You know, I have got major concerns. Um, Henry Toto, you know, I'm going to Alabama, probably the best linebacker, not only in the conference, but maybe in the country. Um, and for him, he's going from learning under Jeremy Pruitt who learned everything from Nick Saban. So now he's just going and he's, there's probably no learning curve. So anyways, as far as Tennessee goes, I've had some head scratchers, man. I don't know what they're doing at quarterback. They had Harrison Bailey last year. Not that, not that it really matters, I guess, because, you know, we, we do expect them to have a poor season. Josh Hype will come in and he's going to have to figure out what to do. But Harrison Bailey coming back from last year, didn't get played a whole lot, but he's a highly recruited player. Hendon Hooker transfers in. Uh, Joe Milton transfers in, if I'm not mistaken. And then – They've got um, Caden Salter and Caden Salter. Caden mm-hmm. Salter. So it's like actually a decent quarterback, like, you know, competition. I mean, Hannon Hooker's played some ball. I would expect if it was just me betting, I would say I think Hannon Hooker's going to win the job because he's played, you know, Division One college football before at a, at a pretty high level with Virginia Tech. Um so that's something to keep in mind as we look It um, just, you know, defensively. I mean, Alante Taylor uh, at cornerback, um, Trevin Flowers, Jalen McCullough. There, there's not a lot to, to really sink your teeth into the, you know, they do get Alabama transfer Brandon Turnage at cornerback who was a four star. Um, so that's something to look forward to. There's going to be a lot of guys, though, going that would not get playing time somewhere else coming to Tennessee for playing time, and that doesn't necessarily transfer into talent and, you know, production on the field that just turns into, you know, um, I don't want to call them a practice squad, but there's going to be a bunch of guys who basically are, you know, a second team SEC kind of team, and they're just going to get run by most of the people on their schedule. It's going to be a tough season. 
their quarterback competition is actually, I think, one of the most interesting, uh, like, position competitions entering the season. And I think it's a two-guy race from from what I've read and researched that it's going to be Joe Milton or Harrison Bailey. And so it's like, do you go with the kid you, like, recruited and, like, committed to you? Or do you go with Joe Milton, who showed he had all the tools last year with Michigan and Michigan running the kind of offense that Heupel wants to run? Uh, my biggest thing with Tennessee is that I think they whiffed on their coaching hire. But I think it could have been purposeful. I think they could have brought somebody in to kind of eat these allegations and come out on the other side with a buttload of cash. <laughs> so uh, the offense will be better, but it is going to be a rough year. I, I just think that UCF upgraded their head coach. I don't know if Tennessee upgraded. They might have done a sidestep, but Gus Malzahn was available. But I also understand the optics of your Tennessee. A, would Gus Malzahn have taken the job? Probably not. Um, B, do you hire a, you know, a coach that another SEC school just fired? Like, what, you know, what does that yeah, say about you? That's tough. But Auburn shouldn't have fired him. So, <laughs> all that being said, it pre- 117th of returning production. Roster was just picked apart by every other school. All their best players got taken. It's going to be a rough year. Uh, we are picking one SEC win, but we haven't losing to Vandy. So, <laughs> but that game will be Vandy Super Bowl at the end of the season. So, 4-8 and eight for Tennessee with a win total set at 6. This is one that I'm very confident in the under for Tennessee. They're not getting the six wins this year. <laughs> it's not on there. <laughs> I don't not, see it. Not on that schedule. <laughs> hey, I'll say this, though. Is there ever a, a, a time that I'm going to be tuned in to a Thursday night of a team playing Bowling Green is is that first game with Number Tennessee? Second. Because I just want to see what the heck they're going to do offensively, if they're going to play with pace like they've talked about with Josh Heupel and who the heck the quarterback's going to be, because I think that they've got four guys that are decently touted, you know, and like you said, you, it's down to those two potentially. So we'll see what, what's going to happen that first uh, week. Something that I mentioned to you uh, just kind of in passing, I think that, you know, if this is the right hire, if Josh Heupel was the right guy, then that game against Bowling Green, you're going to see what they do to Bowling Green – is going to be how they will play SEC ball in a couple of years if they're able to recruit, you know, and and keep some, you know, the, the talent on the roster and things like that. Because this year is going to be tough. They're going to be playing against teams that are just well-established and everything like that. But Bowling Green is almost more of a peer to them this year with how much talent they lost. So, you know, that's, that's something that you can watch um, closely that first game um and maybe get a glimpse at what the future might be at tennessee right now that line is at 33 i am hammering bowling green plus 33 but if they cover that that i will be impressed if they that would be impressive i'm expecting it to be i mean i think that they could definitely pull away three touchdown win you know, late, but, but that's I'm expecting, it, that's... <laughs> I'm, I'm expecting it to be exactly. I'm expecting it to be a game going into, I mean, 33. I did not expect to see that. No. Hey, well, we will be back next week with the best division in college football, the SEC West. You can follow Daniel on Twitter at deep South Daniel. You can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Carnes with a K that will do it for this edition. 
of the extra point. He is Daniel. I am Jacob. See ya.